0: Extravagant love, God's extravagant love. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 3, the verses 1 through 21. John 3, the verses 1 through 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus said? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. "'You should not be surprised at my saying, "'You must be born again. "'The wind blows wherever it wishes, wherever it pleases. "'You hear its sound, and and you cannot tell "'where it comes from or where it is going. "'So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. "'How can this be?' Nicodemus asked. "'You are Israel's teacher,' said Jesus. "'And do you not understand these things?' I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. For everyone who believes because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Thus far, the reading of God's Word. There are some notes uh, that I think are available on the back side of the bulletin insert if, if you want to follow along and even fill in the blanks. Just in terms of orienting us to where we are in this series of messages. Pastor Scott, since the beginning of the year, has been introducing us to a kind of a revised Vision and mission and some values. And I just want to get those on the screen. Notice the vision. And uh, if, if you can read it, I'd love it if you would just read it with me. Just say those words. To see a people inspired by God's love and faithfully sharing that love with the world. That's what we see. That's where we want to be. And the mission, read that with me too, we exist to make disciples who put God's love on display to our world, and then we've been going into some values, the first of three values. And Pastor Scott has been kind of uh, working uh, in terms of helping us understand servanthood. Nick Inthout has been doing the same thing, love given, and and I'm the guy who's wrapping up this first set of messages that have to do with this value, having to do with servanthood or love given. And the best way to think about that is to just focus on the love given by God in the person of Jesus Christ in terms of the suffering servant and the love that is given to us because of what happened on the cross when the Son of God was lifted up like the serpent in the Old Testament so that whoever may believe Will not perish but have eternal life. So that's what we want to focus on. And so as we get into this, let's just look at that first line from um, the John 3:16. God so loved the world, and just get a sense of what we're talking about when we think of world. Cosmos is the name. Cosmos is the Greek word for world. It's, uh, it's used 185 times in the New Testament. John majors in it, 105 times, most of them in his gospel, but several times in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then about a half dozen times in the book of Revelation. All of those were written by John the Apostle. But like the word love, the word cosmos is hard to pin down. And I mentioned love because we've just gone through one of the major hallmark days, right, of the year, Valentine's Day, all about love. But what are we talking about? I love my Happy Meal at McDonald's, my granddaughters will tell me. They use the word love. Those of us who have mailboxes over um, and down the hall are going to find some cards from... Uh, Melanie Papp, uh, cards that uh, advertise Beautiful Art Benefit, supporting Beautiful Gate Orphanage in Lesotho. And uh, one of the lines she has on her little note here attached to those cards is, together we can share about Beautiful Gate Lesotho's love. Love is beautiful. And it's just a reminder of that ministry of Lesotho and, and of how that orphanage a gathers HIV AIDS infected children that have been abandoned and cares for them. Another use of the word love. I don't know how on Valentine's Day those of you who are married were able to express in some special way the love that you have for your spouse. Um, ProFlowers.com has a lot of good ideas about that, right? Yeah. Or what are we talking about in terms of God's love? And we'll get to that in a moment. But the, world cosmos, the word cosmos, world, has just that kind of hard-to-pin-down kind of meaning. Does it mean universe? Does it mean all of great? Does it mean the earth? Does it mean the people? On the earth? Is that what we're talking about in John? And what the Bible tells us is that it's it's really all of the above. All of the above. God created in the beginning, verse, verse, first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the first chapter of Genesis kind of goes through how God did that in stages into chapter 2 and God gets to the end and he, he creates the heavens, the earth. He creates the water, the sea, and the land. He creates the, uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars. He, he creates the animals. He creates people. All of that is part of the cosmos. And at the end, God pronounces it very good. It is so good that when you get to the book of Romans, chapter 1, what you find out is that just the very fact that you and I live in this cosmos, in this creation of God, that we're left without excuse in terms of understanding that there is a mighty, magnificent, powerful God. And then sin comes into the world, and we have to just take note of that too. And it impacted all of it. When Adam and Eve submitted to that temptation of the serpent in the garden, it alienated them in terms of their relationship from God. It alienated them in terms of their relationship with one another. It alienated them in terms of what happened in terms of their relationship to that wonderful, very good creation that God had made for them and that he put them in. It is so clearly damaged. In Romans, and it's chapter 8, my bad, not 6, Romans 8, verses 19 and 22, what you read there is not only does Paul talk about the gospel that we need to be responding to, but he also talks about the creation that's groaning, a creation that's waiting in eager expectation Because something wonderful is going to happen also in terms of the salvation, in terms of the work that God's going to do with them, with it. I like William Barclay. Here's a quote from William Barclay. There is only one thing certain about the cosmos, the world. The cosmos is not what it was meant to be. Something has gone wrong. What is that something? It is sin. And yet what you see, the scripture is also speaking about and moving toward is a new heavens and a new earth. Revelation chapter 21. In the meantime, we're still living here We're still living in this creation. We are caretakers. The story of the Bible is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And yet God put us in charge, Genesis 1. Sometimes called the cultural mandate. God put us in charge. He came to Adam and Eve and said, now this this is what I expect from you, Adam and Eve. I expect you not to spoil it. I expect you not to waste it. I expect you not to exploit exploit it. I expect you to care for it. We're called to creation care, this cosmos, comprehensively, to stewardship, to even remembering that our bodies, are temples, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're to care for those bodies. And, And there is enough information out there about what are the good habits and what are the bad habits. What's the stuff that is good care for our bodies and what doesn't do so much good? to our bodies. And, and for those like Trisha Jemachin, Gary Rukman, uh, Diane Callahan, there are these wonderful resources that God gives also. There are those that are trained medical people that are able to look at our bodies and then mm. diagnose stuff. And perhaps as God, the great physician, moves work us back, perhaps, to good health. We are caregivers. We're called to stewardship. And so we can, we can engage in, those, in, in that great conversation about global warming. Yes? No? How much? Um... I suspect people in many parts of our country these days, global warming falls on deaf frozen ears as they deal with sub-zero temperatures and lots and lots of snow. Here in California, we can deal with um, the drought, the historic drought that we're suffering and, and what a lot to be done about it. Big picture. And we're counting on elected officials and those who have expertise to help us understand what could happen and what could be done. And sometimes it just comes down to what is it that you and I can do. And so our governor encourages us to take shorter showers And to not let the faucet run while we're brushing our teeth or shaving. And and some of it has to do actually with what can I do with this little part of the world that I am in? How can I not spoil it? How can I improve it? What can I do even in terms of where I live or where I sleep? How can I shape that up? How can I make it look better? I walk past John Price's house a lot. And John Price has been doing some wonderful things, not only in his yard, but also near the sidewalk where everybody walks. And I noticed, John, that you have little pictures of dogs in in their particular posture. And you're basically saying, don't do it here, right here. Don't let your dog do it here. Okay. Beautiful stuff you're doing there, John. (laughs) Ron. Ron's example has stayed with me all of these years. The Ron that I'm talking about is a Ron Nidum, Dr. Ron Nytum, a a Christian Reformed ordained minister whose, whose career kind of can be divided into three parts. For the first decade or so, he was the youth pastor at the Third Christian Reformed Church in Denver. And then for the next decade or so, he started a counseling ministry. And it was such a valuable ministry for those of us who saw people that could make use of professional counseling. And then the third part of his career... Um, And he's retiring, he's my age, he's retiring this summer from a decade or so of teaching at Calvin Theological Seminary in the Practical Theology Department. But one of the things I remember about my good friend Ron was from the days that we were in Denver together, and during the summers... We, several of us clergy families with our grade school and high school age kids, would on Mondays go to one of the lakes near Denver. A couple of guys had boats and we could do water skiing. But we also always found this particular beach that we sort of gravitated to, that we knew we could all meet each other there. One of the first things that Ron did each Monday as we just kind of gathered there at that particular beach as they rubbed up their boats, Ron would take some time to pick up the trash in that area, put it in his garbage bag, and put it in its proper place. And what Ron was communicating to me was, this is a little bit of God's creation that I want to just improve on right now. Well, yesterday, to honor Ron, I went to a place I go to just about every morning, Moore Middle School, the dirt track there, and I just spent about a half hour deciding that I needed to walk around and pick up what garbage I found. And and this is what I found. A big pot bottle, milk cartons. Um, This looks like a yogurt thing, which, Beth, I noticed you left a yogurt thing, so I'll just take care of that right now. (laughs) And a water bottle... Uh, this looks like uh, there were some um, cookies, yeah, many Oreos, Owen's favorite, many Oreos. And you're saying, Pastor will, it's a mess here. Why did you throw this right here on the platform? this is this is the church. But when we think about garbage, think in terms of God's creation. and think about ways in which we can just address. In a stewardly way, what it is that God would have us do. Each day, small moments, small things. But you got to go back to the text because while this is a very important piece of the cosmos, the creation, And while we understand God's love for that creation, that cosmos, he made it so very good, what we read in our text is God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God did not abandon it. God repeatedly demonstrated his love to a world, and this comes from John chapter 1, verse 10, a cosmos that did not recognize him. And so you have another little slippery way of trying to understand what cosmos means now, because it really refers to people in this world who didn't recognize him. That's what we read. Jesus Christ came to his own. We read it also in our passage when Jesus has his conversation with Nicodemus, but they did not acknowledge him. They did not recognize him. But God comes again and again. He starts in the garden, He looks up Adam and Eve, He has this conversation to them, uh, with them, he, he, he makes this humongous promise. That the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then as you go through the Bible, God calls Abraham out of the curve of the Chaldees, and you get these Israelites that are now in the land, and you read the book of Judges, and there's this awful rhythm of people neglecting and forsaking God and chasing after the gods of the Canaanites, and God sending judges again and again to call the people back. God did not give up. And finally, God sends his son. God, and I don't know if this is a good word or not, agape. God agape. And that's the kind of love we know exactly what we're talking about. Because it's a Greek word that describes a love that is self-sacrificing, self-giving, that thinks about the best of the other person. Instead of yourself is willing to be hurt for the sake of that other person, agape kind of love. It's more than just saying, "God is love," which the Bible does. First John chapter four. it just says it, "God is love." But what we're talking about here is, is a love that has a redemptive intent. God so loved that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. God so loved that His Son ended up on the cross. And there's this focus on people, on Nicodemus. There's this conversation with Nicodemus, this ruling Pharisee. And there's a reference to whoever believes In him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. To Nicodemus he says, you know what? We can enter the kingdom by being born of water and the Spirit. And we read in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes will have eternal life. And when you just read the the New Testament, and you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection, What, what it's about is not just taking us out of this cosmos into heaven, but we'll have new bodies and we'll live in the presence of God in that context of the new heavens and the new earth. And the thing that we have to be thinking about is we are part of that story. Think about people who are part of that creation. I I put a, a number of words and phrases there right behind that. Think about people who are part of that creation. And I just want to focus on, well, at the very end, aging, dementia. Gord Behrens just said to me, Will, don't ever get old. Well, I'm not sure there's much I can do about that. But what I'm remembering is my dad's aging. He's no longer with us. My dad, capable man who physically was able to do less and less and then mentally less and less. The video just talked about persecution, the video that we saw, focus of the women's retreat. Think about brokenness of relationships. We heard some of that in the men's ministry breakfast just yesterday. About the brokenness of relationships, about what divorce does, about how there's this grieving of a loss. And we could go on and on, but we need to catch what God is doing with each of us and our community. And that's, that's where the vision comes in. That's, that's, that's where the mission comes in. We need to be so inspired by God's love that we respond to it. Yeah, whosoever believes, that we are. And come back this evening when we talk a little bit more about God's way of atoning, how God works among us, but we need to be so inspired by God's love that we display love for him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Unexpected response. Happened Monday. Monday is a day when I often go and sit with others at St. Mary's Church here in North Denver Uh, North Redlands. (laughs) Wrong town, North Redlands. With others that I've come to know. And we have uh, the lunch that they provide on a donation basis. And here, Ross Cooper showed up with Jack Kerr in tow. Jack Kerr is one of the members of our congregation that we haven't seen much of. Because for the last year or so, he's been in a group home, been working to get his life together, and Ross was busy trying to help him apply for some jobs so that he could get out of his home and move towards self-sufficiency. And Ross is sitting there, and there's about, oh, eight or ten of us around the table, and there was a man over here who was kind of complaining about the work that he had done for a friend. It sounded like it was like construction work or concrete work, and this friend hadn't paid him. And I didn't know how Ross was going to respond. I thought maybe Ross would say, well, you know, if the work isn't done yet, I would just quit until I got some money out of the guy. Or if the work is done and you're just waiting for your money, maybe you can go to small claims court or get on Judge Judy or the people's court. Ross didn't respond that way. What Ross said to him was, maybe you just need to let that go. Because maybe the devil is using that to drive a wedge between you and your friend. Now, I don't know if that's a sustainable business model. <laughs> because when I have guys that do work for me, they bill me and I want to pay them for the work that they have done. And I do. But I think what Ross was getting at was the bigger issue of this is your friend. And what are you going to do in the context of that friendship? And what do you do in the context of the agopic love of God who gave his only begotten son and inspires us by his love? so that we can love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now It's it's complicated and how that gets worked through depends on the situations and on the people that we're with. But that's what we are called to. Praise God for what he's done. May he inspire you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. (sighs) Thank you for what you have done for us, Lord. Thank you for this world. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And it keeps singing to us of your greatness, of your power. And we thank you, Lord, for your Son that's been sent into this cosmos, this damaged, broken cosmos, into the damage of our lives and works to make us whole and moves us, Lord, to enter into the hard times, the hard situations, And to love you with everything that we've got. And love my neighbor as myself. In Jesus' name, amen.